the kindness and love that you, um, you continually show, continually, like never ending. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the love and the kindness that you show to my husband and um, for the love and mercy that you show to my children that are learning. Um, thank you. I do want to take a few moments and share from my heart. I felt the Lord drop pieces into my spirit over the last few weeks. And so last night I stood with a notebook with tons of pieces. Okay, Lord, I know. And, and I feel like he has, he has something for you. And I wish that it was something sweet and heavenly and beautiful, but the weather says otherwise today. So I'm going to just be obedient to what the Lord is, is directing. Um, let's go ahead and begin. Let's go ahead and turn to Ruth chapter 1. And I'm going to ask that we would stand in respect to the, the word. We're in Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to just read two scriptures, verse 20 and 21. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I went out full. And the Lord brought me home again empty. If you would just tuck your Bible in real close to you. And let's pray over the word. Jesus, I love you. I worship you. And I believe that you have a word for your people today. I pray that you would anoint this word, Jesus. I pray that you would shut down the imposition of the enemy, every distraction, every hindrance. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I pray that our minds would be in tune with what the Spirit is wanting to do within each of us. Lord, help us to put action to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I, don't wanna, I just want to take a second to unpack um, Ruth the first part of the first chapter of Ruth. In the first five verses, in the very first chapter of Ruth, we are introduced to the family of Naomi, um, and they are in hard times. So in the first five verses, we see that she's uprooted from her original hometown. Um, they are facing famine. Her husband dies. Her two sons die. And now she's in a foreign land with two daughter-in-laws. <laughs> yeah, uh, that could be an okay thing. It could be a rough thing. I imagine her brokenness and her cries out to the Lord for relief from this season of her life. Just as she is adjusting to life after hardship and tragedy, she is met with another hardship or tragedy. Anybody felt like that before? Just when you get up, there's another blow. In verse 9, she bids her daughter-in-law's farewell. She says, go 
and find rest from your grief because they too have just lost their spouses. Go find relief from your grief. Then in the rest of the chapter, there's lots of hugging, lots of crying, more crying, and some more hugging. It says claving, but they're hugging and crying. Lots of crying, lots of hugging. We are familiar with the hero of this book because Ruth sticks out by Naomi's side. But I want to zoom in today on Naomi. Verses 20 and 21, we see Naomi returning to her familiar hometown. People are talking and questioning. They see her from far off and they're like, is that really, is that Naomi? Is that, is that Naomi? I imagine the toll of grief has changed her so much that you can see it on her appearance. That is when she answers and says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me lovable. Don't call me delightful. But call me Mara, bitter, because that's how the Lord has dealt with me. He's dealt with me very bitterly. You see, I went out full. I left this place full. And the Lord brought me home again, emptied. Don't call me Naomi. Seeing the Lord is against me. He has afflicted me. After a season of enduring brokenness and pain, after brokenness and pain, she's left bitter, afflicted, and emptied. So today, I'm going to share with you just a little bit about the value of emptiness. The value of emptiness. A few years ago, we, um, we were test driving a car and it was a small SUV. We thought it was time to upgrade to a bigger vehicle. And we were on the back, in the back roads of DeKalb County, not familiar with any of these roads. And we have a baby and a toddler. And the car we are test driving runs out of gas. We don't know where we're at. And so we call, we call, and we're like, I am so sorry. And... Um, Really, we should have learned our lesson in that moment to not make that purchase, <laughs> uh, especially after we were accused of taking too long of a test drive. They said that, not realizing that the gauge was off, the gauge was not accurate. And we should not have purchased that car. We learned our lesson later after trying to get rid of the car. And, and we learned our lesson when that was not the only time that that car ran out of gas when it said that there was gas in it. Um, and usually it was on a holiday or where we were heading something or somewhere very important. Emptiness. To be all used up. To be poured out. Containing nothing. Apathy. No emotion or purpose. Feeling a big empty void depleted. This can look different on everyone. So many things can bring us into captivity of emptiness. It can be broken relationships. It can be the hurting of our family. It can be our unregulated emotions that we are trying to power through. It can be pressures from work. It can be, it can be the the leftovers of grief 
It can be finances. It can simply be being a mom. It could be serving others at home, at work, or in ministry. Pieces of our lives that are full of good intentions even can sometimes weigh us down because of the heaviness of emptiness. But there is value in our emptiness. You see, it is good for God's people to be placed right in the middle of emptiness. Because it's sometimes that place that leads us to a longing and a desperation. Sometimes we are longing for rest or relief or a filling. There's value in that. A brief side note on our value. If you are finding your value and your worth by the standards of this world, there is deliverance from, for you from the pit of comparison. And that comparison can steal the very joy of your life. It's in those moments that we can be emptied enough to discover the power that God has intended us to walk in daily. It's those moments that we are so hungry that we are open enough to give and relinquish control to him. You see, when we stuff ourselves so full of things, entertainment to dull the pain of emptiness or busyness running to and from one activity to the next, a fixed mindset where we try to figure it all out on our own, a superficial relationship where we are unequally yoked with friends that are unbelievers. We stuff ourselves so full that we never allow ourselves to be vulnerable in a place of longing. And it's in that fullness that we don't even recognize the spiritual battle that is warring all around us because we are full and satisfied. Satan wants us to stay distracted by chasing one temporary filling after another. But God wants us to recognize the value he places in your emptiness. When we become so dependent on him, it gives him vessels to demonstrate his power through. When we are full and satisfied, we can still know and recognize the spiritual disciplines we should be practicing. We can still feel his promptings, but when we pair it with the urgency of emptiness, that is when we are driven to action. In First Kings, if you want to if you want to turn there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of read a story of it. In 1 Kings 17, we have Elijah. And um, at the beginning of the chapter, he it was camping in a canyon under the direction from God. And uh, the ravens are feeding him a couple meals a day. And he's drinking from this brook. And eventually, the brook dries up. And God instructed him, it's time to move on. And I'll provide for you. And in verse 10, he is where we're going. So he got up and went to Zarephath. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, please, 
would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. And she went to get it. He called out, and while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? She said, I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour and a jar, in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make the last meal for my son and me. After we eat, we're going to die. This mother was emotionally empty. She had come to terms. She had accepted the fact that she is preparing to die alongside her son. And Elijah said to her, don't worry, don't worry. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first make a small biscuit for me. Bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. And this is the word of God from, of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out, and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. Can you imagine her at this point? You really want me to use the last of what I have, God, to serve someone else. Have you been there? I have nothing left. What about my son? That's our number one calling is our children. And you want me to go and serve others? This will completely empty me out of everything. And the scripture continues. And she went right off and did it. Just as Elijah asked. And it turned out as he said. Daily food for her and her family The jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter, exactly as Elijah had delivered it. She had accepted the grim reality that alongside her son, she would soon starve to death. She was despondent. She was almost empty of the ingredients of the food that gave them life. Then God requested her to sacrifice that. It would completely empty her out. And this is just to serve others. If he doesn't, if God doesn't come through on his promise, they will be even that much closer to death. But she embraced the emptiness. She had a word from the Lord And faith to see it come to pass. You need to know this morning that God sees you right where you are at. He sees you in the condition you are in. And he loves you. And he desires for you to long for him. Yes, emptiness is heaviness. Emptiness is lonely. But there is value in the place of emptiness. There is, there is purpose in this current pain. Keep your vessel open. If your vessel has an opening, it can be filled again. Don't shut yourself off. Don't seclude yourself in your, in your brokenness, in your emptiness. 
Keep your vessel open. It may be time to empty your vessel out completely. And in scripture, we see this modeled in, in several places. Repentance is one of the examples of the process of emptying. Paired with baptism, when we repent, we completely abase ourselves. And value, value here comes through relief from the consequences of sin. Sometimes we get our feet dirty by walking among sinners. When we're called somewhere, called to the lost, we get our feet dirty. And the weight of sin, we feel those impacts of the weight of sin, but we go to repentance again, and we clean our feet off, and we, we wash our feet in repentance. Worship is another example of the process of emptying. True worship lowers oneself so the king can be exalted. It pushes past just a place of praise and thanksgiving for all the blessings that God has granted you. And it moves to a place where you proclaim the glory of his name and his attributes as alive in your life. Ladies, if you would join me. Approaching the altar is another example of the process of emptying. The approach to the altar is hard for everyone. It always has been. It's not meant to be a pleasant, joyful thing. We want it to feel approachable, and that's okay. But imagine the priest. <laughs> They're getting ready to sacrifice, and, and they are nervous and, and hoping that their, their sacrifice is accepted. Imagine Abraham approaching the altar. <laughs> when it was his time to sacrifice his son, imagine the approach to the altar of Moriah. The approach to the altar makes us publicly vulnerable. But God has designed the altar to be a place of emptying so he can draw us closer to him. We're going to sing a song. And I want you to just have a moment. I want you to just tuck yourself in with the Lord for a moment. Emptiness is real, and it's hard. And in a day full of celebration, we kind of we place it to the side. But if you have felt depleted and alone and exhausted, there is value in that. He is trying to teach you something. He is trying to show you something. So come to him.
invite you to embrace him right now. And you're restoring me peace by peace. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me.
Come on, all around this place, just lift up your hands. Come on, if you need to cry out to the Lord, come on, you have this moment right now. Cry out to Him. If there's somebody around you that needs your help, needs you to help them push through right now, would you just pray with them? In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Lord. Yes, Lord, hallelujah, God. God, all I ask, Lord, is to feel your presence. God, all I ask, God, Lord, if you need to empty me out, God, of the things, Lord, that are filling me up, God, the things that you see and that you see them and they don't belong, God, they're empty. God, empty me, God, if even you're asking of me, God, in this emptiness, Lord, I praise you, God. God, I still praise you right now, God, with whatever ounce of energy I have left. God, I praise you. I worship you. God, I worship you. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.